This podcast is brought to you by Upgrade Fitness. Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly insight into Ireland sport. Our thanks to Upgrade Fitness for their support of the show. My name is Tony Kerr and alongside me to talk golf, football, cricket and probably a bit more is Gareth Aprevo. Hi, Tony. How's it going, Gareth? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Yeah. Good. Um, well, we've got to start, haven't we, I think, with uh, football. Um, a disappointing 24 hours, to say the least, um, for the island's two stars. Um, first up... I think it's fair to say we're all pretty shocked to see Mayor Letizia miss out on England's World Cup squad, that announcement um, made on Wednesday. Um, then we saw Alex Scott and his England under-20s bow out of their World Cup in the round of 16 stage last night, losing 2-1 to Italy. Um, let's talk about Mayer first, though. Uh, have you recovered from that Serena Wiegmann bombshell yet, Gareth? Um, perhaps not totally. No, it, it certainly was a shot. Obviously, we had sort of two o'clock Wednesday, the 31st of May, written in our diary for a long time. And um, there I was sort of sitting in with bated breath, just anticipating her name to show up on the screen as soon as it turned two o'clock. And it was almost a bit of disbelief, really. For the first couple of minutes, I was sort of like, have I missed it? Have I missed it? Surely she's in there somewhere. And uh, now, as it turned out, um, she was named as standby, which is still, you know, it's, it's still an amazing achievement when you look at it that way. But yeah, the overriding emotion at the time was surprise and and disappointment. It is just a shame. We, we'd sort of, because she'd been involved in two senior squads on the trot, impressed, I thought, in those, um, didn't do anything wrong, that's for sure, has been outstanding for Manchester United, who've had the best defence in the Women's Super League um, well, I think by three goals from leaders from the champions Chelsea, but and then by a country mile from everyone else, you just think there's so much pointing in the fact that she could get picked. I mean, there's injuries abound as well in uh, around in the squad, and yeah, I, I just, I just, I just imagine she would get picked from quite a long way out. So it, it did come as a surprise, and um, yeah, you you don't want now now the squad's been picked. You don't want to ill wish ill on anybody. But you're pretty sure if anyone was to pull out from the from the outfield players, Mayer would be the first one called up. Yeah, I mean, I would have put my house on it. Um, would have put my house on her being in there. As you say, for all those reasons, uh, you know, she was in so many um, pundits team of the seasons mm. for the in, in the WSL. She's been exceptional at Manchester United in, in, in what has been a great season for them. Uh, yeah, involved in England squads. I mean, she's been on the kind of England journey for, for years already. You know, mm. she must know exactly what's expected of her, um, you know, when she goes on those camps and, and uh, you know, had seemingly impressed. I mean, yeah, I mean, clearly you've got to sort of take a step back and I suppose trust the judgment of Serena Wiegmann. Mm. She's barely put a foot wrong um, as she is England coach since she took over, obviously guiding um, the Lionesses to the European Championship um, last summer. But, you know, even the, the even the best managers make mistakes. And, uh, you know, when you look at the reaction to the, to the decision online, I mean, it, it's pretty much been unanimously saying kind of where the hell is mayor well yeah i mean it was i mean i was looking at sort of the, my twitter feed for a good almost half hour after the announcement was made 
And, you know, everyone's very positive about England's chances, though the European champions going over there. But pretty much everyone from the national sort of media, all, pretty much all of them just said, surprised not to see Mayer in there. And it's sort of just echoed throughout the, the football world. Um, I do think going to, having looked at a bit, sort of a bit closer at the squad and what have you, um, when Mayer was selected for her first couple of senior squads, it was a very sort of balanced squad and there was quite a few defenders in each one. Um, I think because it's a World Cup with the, the knockout element to it and what have you, Serena Vigman has obviously opted for more forwards in this um, squad, which I can totally understand. I mean, when you get to a knockout game and if you're losing with quarter of an hour to go, you're, you're not going to be chucking on defenders in, in a game. So I understand that. Um, and, that, I, and that's something that, that Gareth Southgate has been criticised for in the yeah, past, yeah, yeah. The, the overloading with defenders. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll go out and say I think Serena Viegman's a better manager than Gareth Southgate. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just so happened because of sort of going down that route, it seems that because of that, Mayer's the unlucky one to miss out. Um, there's a couple of the defenders who got in who, you know, I would suggest just looking at their team's records over the season, you'd have thought Mayer might have sort of like, on stats, a better chance of getting in. She she hasn't made it in this time. I mean, it's basically a squad of 23 and she's the 24th person. Even Serena Vigman virtually admitted that. She said she's a very unlucky, very hard call. Um, but yeah, it's now, it's almost a case now of, well, fingers crossed that Maya goes on and enjoys a hell of a career and gets to go to many of these tournaments. But it it just it just was a bit deflating when when that squad came out and you didn't see her name on it. Yeah, uh, yeah, felt very very uh, gutted for her. I mean, I you know obviously we know her well and I've spoken to her lots of times over the years. The mentality and the determination and and the, the desire that's got her this far um, will surely only be stoked even further. You know, by by something like this in the in the long term. And yeah, you just hope. Yeah, you know, as you say, that that you know the career kind of unfolds ahead of her that we, we sort of hope she will have. Um, you know, you never know. Do you, you know, she might be injured in four years' time. In in eight years' time, well, who knows? Yeah. It, that's the thing. You just it's such a shame that she didn't have that moment. To, uh, yeah, of kind of that that incredible recognition to be named in the first twenty three. Mm-hmm. As you said before, she may end up being involved, um, yeah. given the way things are going. Yeah, and but yeah, like you say, because of, it was almost because of the injury situation with the more established stars. I mean, Captain Leah Williamson isn't able to go. She's on her ACL. And there's a couple of others. And Millie Bright has been named as captain of this squad. She hasn't played for sort of several weeks, probably three or four months, actually. Um, and it was because of those reasons, even more so, I was absolutely sure Mayer would go because of those reasons. And that's why it just it just came as such a shock. I mean, we we would probably re- reveal to everyone, Tony, that you and I were actually ready to go with the tweet, basically saying she was in at, yeah. at sort of five to two on on Wednesday afternoon, and then at two o'clock we were sort of like, ah, we can't tweet that anymore. So. Um, yeah, it, it, it was a disappointment, but you never know. Things might work out. And Mayer takes such a professional attitude to anything. I'm, I mean, I'm sure it will come as a disappointment, but like you say, she'll be driven to just uh, keep on improving. I mean, she she literally, what, she turned 21 about six weeks ago or whatever it was. So there's still a long, long future ahead of her. And I'm sure she'll go on to, to great things. Yeah, testament to what, kind of how far she's come in such a short time or at such a young age that, that well, we all it, thought she yeah. was an absolute lock. But as you say... She's still uh, so young, so. That's it. I mean, even it was only, what, just over a year ago, she was still at Brighton and we weren't quite sure where she'd be going. I mean, she was involved in England age group stuff and she's ended up being part of a, a title contending Manchester United side who've just been to their first ever FA Cup final. They're going into the Champions League next season and we're disappointed that she's not in a World Cup squad. So that that's still a pretty good season, really, isn't it? Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully um, things work out for Mayor in an England shirt. Um, sooner rather than later, we... 
here at the Guernsey Press, and I'm sure everyone in Guernsey um, is right behind her. Um, let's just mention Alex Scott because you yeah, have some double whammy yesterday. You know, the pages of the the paper were being kind of unfurled <laughs> in terms of the stories uh, for the next uh, few days, but uh, not to be. Um, yeah, he was away, of course, in Argentina with England's under twenties um, in their round of sixteen game last night. They came unstuck against Italy, um, losing two one in in fairly controversial fashion. I don't know whether you've seen the the penalty decision that decided at the end. I haven't seen the footage of it. I've, I've read about it in a, in a couple of different uh, national media outlets. And uh, yeah, it, it does seem a bit debatable. It wasn't great. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't great at all. And it was checked by VAR and, and upheld. And um, yeah, a uh, pretty disastrous and bewildering decision. I mean, that said, you reading some of the um, the commentary from the game, it, it sounded like England um, yeah, didn't kind of stamp their... Um, yeah, stamp themselves on the game perhaps in the way they would have liked to so uh, yeah pretty disappointing way to bow out and kind of seeing how Alex was involved earlier in the tournament as well he was playing pretty deep wasn't he wasn't mm. yeah wasn't quite getting forward as, as he has done for Bristol City sort of towards the end of the season yeah it's it, it's sort of part of his versatility that he's seen in, in different um, capacities for different teams. But um, it, sort of when when you're in a squad and you get handed the number four shirt as a midfielder, you, you almost get the impression straight away they're going to be more in a holding role than a than attacking role. So um, uh, I suppose it's good for his development that way. It would have been a great experience for him being out there and what have you. But yeah, um, we, we'd all like to see him play what you'd probably define more as the number 10 role than um, a holding role. But yeah, it's all part of his development. And uh, fingers crossed he'll soon be in a England senior squad. Absolutely. And he's got an interesting summer ahead, I'm sure. Plenty of uh, stuff to think about um, yeah, where he'll end up, whether it'll be at Bristol City next season or, or somewhere um, higher up. Uh, we'll be following that progress very closely. Right, that's it for part one. Coming next, we'll talk golf. Welcome back. Before we come on to the golf, let me tell you about our sponsors, Upgrade Fitness. Um, their new space is now officially open. Uh, and I have to say, having popped up um, a couple of days ago, it looks absolutely spectacular. Um, it's a new gym and fitness center um, just behind the doghouse off the Rojes, um, packed with the very best gym equipment across two levels. There's also a studio for classes, um, saunas, and plenty of parking. Um, you can find uh, more information on their website, upgrade.fitness is where to find them, and on social media too. Um, as I say, all the info on there, including how to sign up, but you do really have to go and see it. Um, so I would recommend dropping by to have a look um, upgrade fitness just opposite the badminton hall behind the doghouse our thanks again to them for their support uh, now golf gareth a new island men's champion has been crowned um, tom lahire um, beat 16 year old Jaden tucknot in the final to claim his second title uh, yeah sounded like some week at lancrest as well yeah, it was um, it was a fantastic week of some really high quality golf in pretty tricky conditions throughout the week. The, this sort of constant um, brisk northeasterly that we're we're in the middle of at the moment doesn't so, seem to be going anywhere either. No, no. <laughs> it's, uh, every time you turn up at Langfress, you can be pretty sure it's going to be very challenging conditions at the moment. And um, it, it made for sort of hard work in the final, but there was some really good stuff played. It was a 36-hole final on um, Sunday. I must admit, going into the match, um, Tom Lahure had the experience. He's been Ireland champion uh, once before, uh, back um, in 2020. But to be honest, from the sort of Monday to Friday of Championship Week, Jaden Tutnot was playing the, playing the best of anybody. He played some absolutely brilliant golf. And um, he started like a house on fire in the final. He, he birdied the first and uh, it was off and running. He never really showed any sign of nerves. Uh, it turned into a great battle all day. It was sort of nip and tuck. Both both sort of took their um, took the lead at various points. I don't think there was ever more than two holes in it. And for a 36-hole final, that's quite unusual. Um, yeah, and it just sort of came down to Tom 
playing some some great shots just at the right time. I mean, he was one down with two to play and then he, he played a brilliant approach into the 17th hole, um, finished about four feet from the pin, hold the birdie putt and then um, came up with a terrific chip on the last, which was playing as hard as it can really, straight into the wind. Uh, and Jaden got really unlucky, hit a cracking tee shot, just hit it too well. And he finished through the green and finished up in an awful lie. And to be fair to him, he sort of looked at it and he had a wry grin. He, he wasn't... Um, he knows sort of how luck plays a part in golf, and so he he wasn't too downbeat when he saw it. But uh, so it ended up with Tom winning one up. But it, yeah, it was a great final, and both um, deserve great credit for the way they played. Yeah, well, let's hear what Tom had to say. You chatted to him afterwards. Congratulations, Tom. Um, how does it feel to be Guernsey champion for a second time? Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, long week, very long week, but needed to get over the line. Made hard work of it coming in, but needed to get over the line feels feels amazing yeah. um, in terms of sort of like the performance today obviously 36 holes I mean how do you assess how, how you played I mean in spells it, it was good but I mean it's not you're not almost not just playing against Jaden you're playing against the course as well because it's just biting back it's so difficult and if you don't have to hit a very bad shot to be you know really in the rubbish so yeah I mean you're gonna hit bad shots so it's just how you sort of, you know, just forget them and try and move on. And I feel like I've done that well a week. You know, I've been down three times, I mean, two down three times this week. And it's just it's just staying patient because mistakes happen in this in this format and, and this weather and, and the condition of courses. So, yeah, it's just I feel like I stayed really patient. Yeah, I was going to say, from my view, throughout the week, you've come up with the shots when you've needed to, really. That's been the important yeah. thing to your runner this week. Yeah, I've hold, hold putts at the right time or chip close at the right time. Or, you know, and it's definitely has been a, a huge slice of luck in it with, you know, with Jeremy making a mistake on in the semi-final and obviously coming up against Danny in the first round. He, he didn't play his best. So, but you just got to ride your luck and then to be in the final. Yeah, just it's 50-50 chance. You just go out and, and do your best. The fact that, that you drew Munch in the first round, um, did that almost take the pressure off? Because you, you can almost come into the week without too much expectation in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know we're both in the island team and we both, you know, we've both played the, at the highest level, but everyone knows he's the best golfer in the island at the moment. And, you know, and yeah, it does. All the pressure's kind of on him, I suppose, because I'm the underdog. Yeah. I can go out and just, just play a bit of golf. But... You know, neither of us did in that day. It was just I was a little bit better. <laughs> but, yeah, he was uncharacteristically, you know, bad for him. And but yeah, it, it happened. So yeah. Um, just going back to today's performance, I just want to mention that that eagle on six. I mean, did you did you feel that got you going as well on, on the day? Yeah, not so much the putt. It was actually the second shot. Um, I, yeah, I'd hit a, you know, not a very good drive, and I had two forty seven to the front edge, so maybe. 255 to the flag and I knew I couldn't go along with the two iron and Mill Z said just hit it as hard as you can and I did and that was the shot that sort of kicked me on to hit you know hit a few more good shots and obviously you know holding the putt is is good as well but yeah it was the actual the iron shot that probably kickstarted the day a bit more yeah and I mean you've just done the presentation and you've, you've had a word about Jaden in that but um as a 16 year old in his first time and finally he acquitted himself really well didn't he absolutely yeah absolutely he's he's been um yeah, he's been a credit to himself and all his, all his family and friends he's he's played some brilliant golf um yeah and it, it won't certainly won't be the first time he's in the final yeah 
But you've won this twice now, but this, you get the chance for a CI final for the first time because obviously you won in COVID year, so you've got something to look forward to there. Yeah, definitely. It's a shame it's over in Jersey. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, again, it's 50-50 chance. Go over there and have a practice round and see if we can see if we can beat one of the Jersey boys. New Ireland men's champion, Tommy Hiro, um, speaking to you there. Gareth, um, let's just come back to Jaden though, because yeah, for 16-year-old... Um, I say in the form of his life, he's not, you know, he's not had much life, but um, <laughs> he's playing incredibly well and he's been away in England winning again. Um, I mean, yeah, what, what, what's, uh, what's sort of been the secret to his success this summer so far? Um, very much hard work. If, if you ask anybody at sort of the Royal Guernsey Golf Club, sort of the, the pros that work there and, and people who work in the office, the most dedicated golfer on the island is basically Jason, uh, Jaden Tucknot. And, um, in terms of his sort of swing and technical ability, it shows. I mean, he hits the ball nice and straight, hits it long. He's got quite a low ball flight and he putts really well. I mean, basically, if you can hit it straight and you can putt well, you're on the road to success straight away. But um, his mentality is also really, really impressive. I mean, I spoke to him a couple of times sort of during the week. He'd just beaten the defending champion, Jamie Blondel, in the quarterfinals. And I'm, I'm chatting to him and it wasn't he wasn't like... Um, overawed with what he'd just achieved he was sort of like no I'm playing well I believe I can basically beat anybody in this competition and I'm, I've played well tonight and I deserve to go through he then went on to beat Bobby Ego the legend that is Bobby Ego um, and it was very much the same sort of uh, mentality there as well you know it's it's not he doesn't get starstruck by who he's playing he just goes out and he, he performs and um, it was just he, like I say I think he played the best goal from, of anybody from Monday to Friday he was outstanding and um, it would be hard to believe that he won't win at least a couple of Ireland titles, probably in the pretty near future as well. Yeah, it's awesome just to see at the moment. Obviously, we had Ollie Chedham doing so well over the last couple of years. Just a few weeks ago, um, Connor and Rory McKenna winning the uh, Guernsey Press uh, Elite Men's Foursomes. Uh, you got Jaden doing so well here. I mean, there's just such a great battle between the youngsters and and these. You know, I've seen not even older guys, but like Tommy Hero, he's you know he's pretty, he probably thought he was uh, you know, know kind of had had the sort of lie of the land for a few years, but they're they're coming up quite quickly. It does make me it made me laugh a bit when I when I thought afterwards, sort of like checking on Tom's age that he's 32 and Jaden's 16. And it's, wow, it's amazing because Tom's still pretty much a relatively young man in sort of golfing terms and the experience you gain. And you, people just generally get better as you get older in golf. And um, yeah, so seeing these kids and they just all, they're, they're all good friends, but they all push each other on and they can, they sort of, like, they don't want to see other people doing well if they're not doing well. You know, it just all, they just pull each other up. And I mean, we've got, I think Connor's now scratch, Jaden's off scratch, Rory's been off scratch. Um, you've got others like Lewis Marley, who's the Royal Guernsey Junior Captain this year. He's coming up. He's, he's a really talented lad as well. Like you say, Ollie Chedham is obviously well known already from what he's achieved. He's still the uh, Hampshire Junior Champion at the moment. Um, unfortunately, he's, he's got a, an injury this season, which means he's um, been sidelined. But um, yeah, they're just all pushing each other on and uh, there's great signs for the future there. Yeah, exciting times. Um well, we're on the men's side of things. Uh, if you've been reading the press, which we hope you have been over the last weeks, you'll have been uh, following um, yeah, uh, Rob Batty's uh, countdown of Guernsey Golf's top 100, and it reaches its conclusion this week. It probably won't be a shock um, to, to most people who know uh, know the sport locally to see who tops the list. Um, but yeah, it's been an interesting countdown, and uh, yeah, you can uh, read all about um, uh, the man who's at the top of uh, Guernsey Golf's tree uh, in Friday's uh, paper. So uh, yeah, do keep an eye out for that. A any contention? 
contentious picks, do you think, in that sort of top 10, top 20? And certainly not contentious, but sort of speaking to people around the golf clubs, there's a, there's quite a few of the older guys. I mean, today we've got um, we've got Bert Jolly as number two, who played Ryder Cup, the first ever Ryder Cup he played in it, and he was actually selected for another one, and he, he withdrew from that because of his, his form at the time. But there's sort of guys of that ilk from, from sort of like the 20s and 30s who people just aren't really aware of. The, the name might ring a few vague bells here and there. But some of the stories that you read through Rob's um, Rob's pre um, Rob's pen picks of these guys and what have you, it's they've achieved. We've had people who've achieved amazing stuff from from Channel Island golf. I mean, there's a lot of top quality Jersey guys as well who were involved in in the first Ryder Cup and things like that. So um, no, they're certainly not contentious picks, but um, I know there's there's been a few um, a few interesting sort of family things going on as to who has finished above who in sort of in within families and what have you. And uh, yeah, there's a one point last week where one of our best players ever, uh, Mick Marley, was sort of saying, "Has Rob forgotten me?" Because he hadn't appeared yet, and he actually appeared in the top six. <laughs> so um, yeah, it, it's it's been a really good series. It's been really interesting reading it, and yeah, we won't give away who's number one, but. Uh, when you see some of the stats that are in Friday's paper, it's obvious why he is number one. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Yeah, pick up a paper on Friday to read all about that. Um, a quick word on the Women's Island Championships, Gareth. Um, yeah, close to finding out uh, the winner of that. Um, we'll talk more, I'm sure, on next week's pod about the uh, the, the finale of that competition. Um, but yeah, we're at the semi-final stage, aren't we? Yeah, there's been. Uh, it, it doesn't have as big an entry as, as the men's, but, but because of the um, quality, it's been. Um, there was the, the quarter finalists were all sort of like it, it's really hard to pick a winner in all of them, and out of the four matches, three of them went to extra holes. So it shows how close the, the, closely the, the women are matched. Um, and yeah, Friday semi-finals see Di Aitchison play against our current uh, Ireland girls champion, who's Chloe Domal. And then the other one, uh, Veronica Bugor, who's a multiple winner of this event, is taking on Mandy Weber, who's also won it before. So there'll be some good matches in the semi-finals. Yeah, read more coverage of that in the pages of the Guernsey Press over the next few days. Right, before we go, uh, let's talk cricket, Gareth. Um, really busy time domestically, and we've had some uh, showpiece MCC matches as well this week, and uh, it's been going pretty well for Guernsey. <laughs> yeah, it's remarkable. I don't know if I could ever say before that out of three, the first three matches the MCC play on a Guernsey tour, they've lost all three, which is outstanding. I mean, word for the Elizabeth College first level, and that was a tremendous, they um, pulled off a tremendous run chase on Tuesday. They were set um, 268 to win in a declaration game, which is, by the way, Played in whites with a red ball, which is great to see at the college field. Yeah. It's just a proper tradition, that one. I remember when I played against um, the MCC College, it is a really big occasion. You just feel it's a special sort of day that day. And um, yeah, for college to chase down 268 to win is a really good achievement. And it was, it was a proper team effort. There was a lot of guys sort of scoring important runs there. Uh, Ollie Clapham was the one who scored uh, a half century for them in that. But um, yeah, it was a, a great effort by them. And then, yeah, the following day at the KG5, we had two T20s with a basically an Ireland 11. I mean, it was basically Ireland squad members. It was under the GCB banner. Um, the home side won the first one quite comfortably. Letizia had scored a half century in that one. But the second game was an absolute cracker. And um, a word for Dan Waite from the MCC, who made one of the best hundreds I've seen for a long, long time. He just a display of clean hitting, which just the ball just kept disappearing into the woodlands down the, um, the, the Beauvoir end. And there was a lot of time, I won't say wasted, but there was a lot of time looking for balls <laughs> because he was hitting it so far. It, it was down breeze that way, but um, it, he struck the ball so cleanly. It was really impressive. So he scored 117. The MCC scored 204 in a T20. 
and they lost. You know, it was an amazing run chase. Um, Tom Nightingale got a half century, but there was runs throughout. Ben Fitchett played well up top, and Zach Damrell scored some runs. Tom Kirk then came in and hit sort of three boundaries on the trot. And uh, Josh Butler came in, faced one ball, hit it beautifully for four, and saw his side over the line with the ball to spare. So there's been some some really good cricket played so far on the tour. Yeah, that's an MCC side featuring uh, quite a few players from Jersey as well and a couple of their kind of, well, stalwarts of recent years. So, um, yeah, you know, a, de- a decent opposition. Yeah, the Jonty Jenner has been involved and uh, Elliot Miles, so they're regular Jersey um, players. And it's it's good that the MCC are getting back because of the um, pandemic is now over, fingers crossed. Um, they're, they're getting back to a, sort of like a proper touring side. In, in the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of local MCC members playing for them here which is which is fine obviously they are mcc guys but it's great to see visiting mcc guys over and there's been some some really good players um a couple of the bowlers yesterday were very impressive as well but uh, so it made it a, a really good certainly that second game was a really good win for the the G, gcb 11 yeah and it's not just the islands um men in action this week uh Guernsey's women have also got a, a touring side over to to give them a test which is great to see yeah flying visit from the raf oh, there, you <laughs> there you go i had to get that one in you have to get the puns in uh, yeah, the RAF women's cricket side are over uh, in the island. They're playing the the Guernsey side and in two, twenty, uh, two T20s on both Friday and Saturday. Friday's um, one o'clock and five o'clock and Saturday will be uh, half 11 the first game and the second one will follow on a, approximately half past three. So it's, um, so it's great to see our, our local women's side getting some fixtures in the, in the programme. Yeah, really good to see that. Um, the other thing we spoke about last week, which is great to see, is the return of the Belasco CI League, uh, which is going to be a really interesting one to follow um, kind of throughout the summer, really, isn't it? Uh, yeah, but got underway with a, a local fixture, an all-local fixture, um, two Guernsey sides going head-to-head and it was a bit of a cracky start. Yeah, it, was a, it turned into a really good game between Wanderers, Regulars and... Uh, Griffins, um, yeah, um, sort of Wanderers of regulars batted first at the college field, scored 166, which was it was sort of below par. You, you'd imagine Griffins would chase it down. Uh, in the end, they did, but they they only won by two wickets. It was, it was a really close game, and uh, fair play to Wanderers of regulars. They just kept battling throughout. They never sort of thought their chance had gone. And they just kept picking up wickets. And um, yeah, in the end, uh, Griffin's just about sort of scraped over the line more than anything. It was a really good game. And uh, fingers crossed that it's a sign of things to come in the CR League. Yeah, 53 um, for Lucas Barker and a losing cause there. He'll be pleased if he's listening to hear us mention Wanderers because I think he's sometimes uh, (laughs) been left disappointed by the the lack of attention coming their way. But there we go. Big mention for them this week. Well, well, I'll also talk about some of the wickets he took, although a couple of them he... arguably bought a bit because they, they weren't the best deliveries but they've picked up wickets so fair play to Lucas a couple of weeks to wait um, till that competition really hots up with the uh, first inter-island fixtures um, on the 17th of June Kobo go to walkovers in Jersey um, while it's uh, OVs against one Springfield over there as well so um, yeah we'll uh, be following that all the way here at the Guernsey Press um, so uh, yeah keep your eyes on the paper for coverage of that and your ears on this podcast um, more chat on cricket to come throughout the summer uh, right I think that's just about it unless I've missed anything massive this week no, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right then we'll leave it there uh, thanks very much Gareth um, thanks again to Upgrade Fitness uh, for their support of the show um, do make sure to hit follow or subscribe wherever you're listening um, to get every episode of this podcast delivered straight to you um, and uh, yeah get involved on social media at GSY Press Sport is the place to go on Facebook Twitter and Instagram uh, cool cheers Gareth see you soon cheers Tony cheers Tony